Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, the musical chairs for movies continue. Spike Lee has a streaming hit on his hands. And is Naughty Dog saving the best for last? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you get a chance, please check out all the stuff we've been putting out lately on the Lakers Fast Break channel or the Pop Culture Cosmos channel, which is now over 500 podcasts on that channel. So you've got plenty to choose from right there at Pop Culture Cosmos, wherever you get your podcasts. But it isn't a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He's our own musical chair for pop culture cosmos. You gotta check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com, pop culture cosmos on YouTube, Facebook, also his great show Topic Apocalypse, plus his book, which you gotta get today at Amazon and Barnes and Noble, called Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is. Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What's up? What is a musical chair? What is the reference? Thank you for setting that up for me, my friend. But the reference is because it seems to be this perpetual music chairs going on because of all the dates that are changing. And we're going to discuss a lot of those maneuvers here in a second because there's a lot of films, big time films, that are changing dates. We're going to give you an update on a few of them coming up here in a sec. But later on in the program, we're going to be talking about The Last of Us 2 as far as being a great game coming out. We're going to give you the heads up on what the critics say so far for it because it is coming out this week on Friday. So we want to give you a heads up on that. And speaking of Naughty Dog, we want to make a little bit of a correction. Josh had said that the new Ratchet Clank is from Naughty Dog that's coming out to PlayStation 5. It's actually from Insomniac, which is also doing the Miles Morales standalone game that's coming out later this year as well, or at least scheduled to. But Josh, I want to tell you something right now, if you want to get on the mic here. You can go ahead and give yourself a big pat on the back, my friend, because I'm watching Emergency Awesome the other day on YouTube, one of the largest pop culture YouTube channels that's out there. And he's talking exactly what you had spoken about two days before about how the standalone game, you and I both assumed that it would be, but you also were right that it was going to be more in line with what you saw with 
Uncharted, The Lost Legacy, where it's not as large or as deep or as wide or as, I guess, uh, long, for lack of a better term, than what the other games is. Because you you had said that it's just a two-year turnaround time. So you said it would still be a full game, but not quite as full as maybe the first Spider-Man around. Yeah, I mean, that was what I was thinking. Because just, you know, yeah, look at the development time, two years, and that seems a bit off for a such a, a large scale game from what i understand the uh spider-man game took insomniac several years to make you know i think they were working it started development you know four or five years before it came out so yeah it just it seemed like there was a weird lapse in development time so that's why i was saying maybe originally it was planned to be a dlc and then you know they decided to build itself beyond the realms of like you know, a simple add-on and they decide to make it into a full game. And that's awesome. I hope that, you know, I hope that it gives fans everything they want. It just doesn't seem like it's going to be as much of a game as Spider-Man was. Because, I mean, think about this. They already have the assets built, the cities, the, you know, a lot of the the uh, NPCs walking around and stuff like that. So it, I imagine they're going to be reusing a lot of that. I would hope that they'd add in new places to explore in addition to, like, the, the new narrative. But yeah, I'm 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 still gonna play it. You know, I'm I'm excited about it. And you know, in reference to so I don't sound like an idiot, the insomniac thing. My my bad. I was still thinking about Spider Man when we were talking about Last of Us. So sorry. <laughs> no worries, man. Like I said, I always make those corrections just before the show. Uh, it happens. I mean, we're going on 200 episodes of the Pop Culture Cosmos, man. It even happens to the best of us. But we make sure we make up for our full pause so to speak when we're talking and shooting off the hip and you know off the top of our head like we do pretty much all the time and i'll tell you what right now we've got a pretty good track record so i'll stick with what we do right here at the pop culture cosmos but i will tell you this miles morales i'm looking forward to the game it may not be a completely different design or may just use the same engine or may use a lot of the same assets that we saw in spider-man but i'll tell you what my friend this is going to be something that's going to be more of a good thing, and that cannot be bad at all. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to appreciate this, and Spider-Man Miles Morales will be one of the biggest games of the holiday season because of that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I hope so. I mean, Spider-Man is it's a huge property. It, it doesn't matter who is behind the mask. The character is always interesting, and you know, I would hope that the writing for this is as good as the writing for the Miles Morales comic books is, you know, even in his uh, beyond what Michael Bendis has done with the character. I hope that it's it's on par. You know, it gives fans something to uh, that will endure for a long time. Well, I'll tell you what, my friend, there's going to be more that we're going to be talking about on today's show. Not only the musical chairs going on with movie dates, not only The Last of Us 2 coming up on the back end of the show, but also as well, we're going to be talking about Spike Lee's latest hit, to five bloods that's now on netflix i'm going to tell you right now you got to go check out this movie it's very good the critics ratings are are really strong for it. it's got right now an 81 on metacritic we're also going to be talking about the fact that spike lee is now doing a film straight to netflix we've seen martin scorsese we've seen other big name actors and performers and now directors heading to that medium as far as streaming is concerned is this going to be the wave of the future for top-level directors and actors going forward? But also, we're going to be giving you an update on our top 100-ish 
movie countdown with number 50 to 59 so we'll go ahead and have some sweet memories of some movies that we know and love out there because you guys voted on it and your 50 to 59 movies coming up in our top 100 ish movie countdown is coming up later in the program as well but my friend let's start off with right now the musical chairs that are going on within the realm of hollywood because there's a lot to talk about right there when it comes to all the different changing release dates, I know a lot of people out there are getting confused. A lot of people out there are not knowing when these movies are actually going to come out. These things are always changing all the time. I'm going to give everybody a heads up and then I want to hear your thoughts. The latest to do some changing is Warner Brothers and some other movies as well. But we're going to start off with Warner Brothers movies. Tenet which you and I are both talked about last week and you and I are both looking so forward to. We think this is really going to be a big hit even in the middle of a pandemic. Tenet has moved a couple weeks back. It's moved to July 31st. Wonder Woman, that was a big surprise because now it's not only moved from August, it's now moved into October from August. So it's moved from to July to August to October of this year. So it's really got a a lot of changes for that one. But yes, the latest deal is that's moving to October 2nd. The latest James Bond flick, No Time to Die, that's moving five days up on the schedule in November. So that's something that people need to be aware of right in the middle of that holiday viewing that No Time to Die for James Bond has moved five days up. Godzilla vs. Kong moves from November it's moving out of that spot, that general time frame, with all that stuff going on because it's going to be a very busy holiday season for moviegoers. And that's moving to May 2021. So it's moving right around the time for the Memorial Day weekend and all that in 2021. And Matrix 4, that's moving from that May 2021 spot to April of 2022 so we will not see Keanu Reeves as Neo once again until April of 2022 plus a couple other movies The Witches from Robert Zemeckis that has been completely taken off the schedule so now that's going to be under heavy speculation that that might become a straight to streaming or video on demand movie and Tom and Jerry I'm assuming that's going to be the animated feature from the you know long-standing cat and mouse animated feature animated cartoons that we you know the old some of us older people like myself know and are familiar with and maybe some younger as well that's moving from December 2020 to May 2021 so I gave you the list my friend that's a big list of just constant movie shaking and that doesn't account for all the stuff that Disney's done recently I want to hear your thoughts, man, when it comes to all these movies changing around. Is there anyone that you're disappointed by the most? And what does this say about the constant changing release dates for movies? I mean, I'm not disappointed. There's, I, I was hoping to see Tenet sooner rather than later. But, I mean, it you know, only got pushed back a couple of weeks. But as for the others, like, I would honestly be surprised if these were even concrete release dates. I don't think these movie studios know what to expect. I don't think they they know they're just kind of hoping that things will look good around that time. And if they don't, they'll probably keep pushing them back and back and back. And my question to you would be how many times can you move film release dates before you finally face the decision of having to figure out if you're going to release it on demand or not? 
Uh, and in the case of some of these, if you do not want to push them back to 2021 or 2022, like let's take The Witches, Robert Zemeckis, The Witches, for instance. That was moved off of a, I think, a 2021 release date, and that's just been not given any release date at all. I have a feeling that movie could be primed to just say, you know what, the film company at this time wants to cut its losses and just put that to straight to streaming. You could see other things like this Tom and Jerry movie that's been moved to May 2021. That could be a prime candidate to go to straight to streaming because we saw what happened with Scoob and Trolls World Tour. Any of these movies that do not look like they're going to be able to be a breakout hit of some type or get people in, I think that's the key. Will the movie that you have on the schedule right now, will that bring people in? And if it's not going to bring people in, or at least you don't think it will, then you know what? I think it's a prime candidate to move to a streaming or video on demand format. Well, even a movie like Wonder Woman, like there's so much money on the line. I'm curious if that's a bill they're willing to to risk, you know, like if, if say people don't go back to the movie theater, say you, you release this movie on October 2nd, people don't go to watch it, then you know, all that money that they put into marketing and stuff could have been used to market it towards an on-demand audience. So, I mean, it, it's just, it still feels like they're, they're risking quite a bit on the, uh, you know, on the gamble that in October things are going to be back to normal. And, you know, I guess like Tenet will decide I, by October, they should know like what it's going to look like, especially if Tenet's coming out in July. But I mean, it's still, it, there's a lot of money on the line, you know, especially with a, a big film like Wonder Woman or even uh, I guess I'm sure 2021 things will be a little bit better. But, yeah, there's just there's a lot of money on the line and it's, uh, you know, they're 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 gambling with this. And it's I'm just I'm curious if it's going to pay off or not. I'm curious as well. I mean, the movie industry as a whole has lost billions of dollars by now, my friend. I mean, we're talking what uh, you know something this time last year we were already talking about how well uh, avengers endgame was doing and and we were talking about how that was heading towards being the number one movie of all time and now flash forward to a year later and look at us man it, it's not even close it's it's something that i think a lot of these these movie companies are going to be seriously headed towards some hard times and they have to make some hard decisions on some of these movies they will never, as far as at least the movies that are coming up within the next year to year and a half, I don't think any of those movies will ever regain or recoup all the money that it would have gotten had there not been a coronavirus. Let's put that out there right now. I think you're going to probably, and yeah, I think you said it best, I think it wasn't going to be until 2022 or 2023 before you see enough people feeling like okay it's safe to go back to theaters before they do go back to theaters but then again the question comes will they want to go back to theaters because they will have become so used to getting everything on demand or in a streaming format so there is quite a bit of concern by the theater industry that there may not be much of a theater industry or as much of a theater industry as there once was once this coronavirus thing has uh become a little bit less of uh, such a pandemic you know we found a vaccine and all that and people are able to go ahead and live somewhat normal lives once again 
You know, the, 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 it's interesting because, you know, I'm in I'm in Texas and I was assuming, you know, once things start opening up and stuff like it, things have been open for a while. But I was, I've been assuming that, like, you know, the mask would come off, the hand sanitizer disappear from everywhere. But in in all reality, it, it seems to have people seem to be double downing on that stuff or dub, sorry, doubling down on that stuff now that there are more people out and about. So, you know, I, I look at what does the reopening of a movie theater look like and you know there's a couple theaters open out here but like what what would it look like with a big release and i just i don't see it being something that people are going to freely you know not freely but uh just walk into without some level of consideration you know it is going to be a little bit of a persuasion act that has to be going on and i know that the movie theaters are trying to put older movies that were big hits like inception and some others back onto the screen to try and draw people in before the big movies come into play but it's going to be a situation where a lot of people are afraid to go back to theaters you and i spoke about it last week when we were talking about tenant if for you tenant is the movie that's going to bring you back into theaters if there's any movie for me that might bring you back into theaters right now it would be tenant but i'm not even sure if that's going to be the case because i'm kind of concerned about going to the theaters and the safety and, and all that so it is going to be a situation where everybody out there is going to have to think about whether or not they want to put themselves at a certain level of risk. But then again, we do that every day when we go to the grocery store or we go to the park or we go to anywhere that we're in contact with other people. Yeah, very true. You know, but I guess like the only difference would be that you're not um I guess sitting in a room with strangers and just kind of not moving, you know, you're, you're at least you're like in motion. So you're not staying around people for a, an extended period of time because you're always in motion with a movie theater. You are sitting down, you are enjoying, you are sitting there and people are going to be coughing and sneezing and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's honestly like I, at this point, I'm willing to risk it, but I mean, that's a personal decision that I'm making. You know, it's not going to be the same for everybody else. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. But you turned on a light in my head for a second here, and I got to ask you this: What do you think that the next Academy Awards are going to look like for this year? They've got to include streaming. They've got to include streaming films. They have to. There yeah. would be no categories. Yeah, and well, just to let you know, well, first off, before I go more into that, because that that leads me into the Five Bloods. Remember, I worked on Outbreak. Remember, I worked on Outbreak. <laughs> And people who've seen Outbreak, and I know there's a lot of people now that have seen Outbreak now that the outbreak of pandemic has, has taken place because a lot of people have looked at that movie lately within the past few months. There's the movie theater scene, and need I say more? But I tell you this, my friend, it is kind of being fearful out there as far as the theater is concerned. But when it comes to something like the Oscars, yeah, they have to really strongly consider using straight to video on demand, straight to streaming options. Because in the past, they would only consider them if they appeared in, the you know, they did the minimum. They appeared in a theater in New York and L.A. by Christmas Day. That was the deal. 
that they at least they do that. But even if they were going straight to theaters, uh, straight to video, straight to video on demand, that's the thing now that they should reconsider, at least for this year, if not going forward, because you've got some major, major heavyweight actors. You've got some major heavyweight directors. And these are not movies that are throwaway anymore. When we talk about video on demand, we still see every now and then video on video demand some movies that would never make it to the light of day on theaters, even with some decent name actors out there. Uh, I don't want to say anybody out there that's fans of a you know a certain actor. I don't want to say, but you you know when you go to your you're looking on your video on demand, you're looking at your streaming options. There were some movies by some big name actors that went straight to video, and you realize in the past that it probably wasn't a good movie. That's probably why it went straight to video. Those days are not necessarily there anymore because yeah, there's still the the junk movies that are going to video on demand, but there are some really really good movies. I mean, The Irishman was a, was an okay movie. I thought it was alright. I thought it was a little bit long and had some issues, but that earned wide acclaim. And outside of, again, just appearing on the, the minimum amount of theaters in, you know, so it could be eligible for the Oscars, that was a great catch for Netflix. But now with that, we've got The Five Bloods with Spike Lee's latest. Spike Lee is a heavyweight director out there in Hollywood, and he is putting his stuff on straight to Netflix. That's a sign to me that not only are they getting A-list actors, they're getting A-list directors, and they're getting really, really good movies heading to a streaming format. The movie's gotten an 81 on Metacritic right now. Strong reviews. Delroy Lindo is getting high acclaim and high praise and could be up for a best actor right now. He's one of already one of the hot candidates to become a you know, a best actor for you know for a best actor nod. So I'll tell you what right now, that is something a lot of people have to consider. But yes, Josh, I mean, when we're talking about the Oscars and we're talking about the Academy Awards and the Golden Globes and all that stuff for movies, we have to now strongly consider these movies that went straight to video that are getting high praise and high acclaim that they now need to be just at a level and that they don't have to go ahead and go to any extra lengths to become eligible for the Academy Awards. Yeah, you'd have to like loosen up your not lower, but you know, loosen your standards a little bit because it's just it's been such a weird year and things have not been released. Things that were supposed to come out this year are being pushed back to next year and even the year after that. So it, it's it's a very odd year indeed, you know. And this would be a good time, you know. And that that's it begs another question: if they allow thing uh, movies from Netflix or Amazon or whatever it might be into the awards this year what does that mean they're going to be discluded next year when more things come out like it's it, there's this is going to be interesting it's going to be well, very well, let me ask you this i mean let's say you and i are sitting on the the academy board and you know we're sitting there and we're making the decisions on this is this a moving forward type thing that you think that now that streaming channels and streaming outlets and whether it's HBO Max, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, Apple Plus, that just got a Tom Hanks movie that's coming on the way as well. I mean, these are some heavyweight films that are heading over to these streaming outlets directly. I think for the, the future going forward, they need to strongly consider just loosening those standards and becoming a... a just an academy that allows these type of movies to go ahead and be eligible for the awards. I think it should just be based off of it came out in a format 
that was available for an audience this year? I think that it's an inevitability. I think it's something that they've been avoiding for a long time because it's it's that that board is it's, it's just from what I've heard is is incredibly snooty about what they accept into their their circle of awards, and I think that they've been trying to avoid. You know, and you have all these directors fighting against the streaming services, but like I, this is an inevitability. You have all these big name actors, big name directors moving onto these streaming platforms. You know, this is the it, art. Movies are movies. Art is art. You know, I think it, as long as it's a movie, as long as it has a movie runtime, it should be allowed to be considered for the award. And I think that constantly discluding these films is is doing this. Uh, you know, the Academy Awards a disservice, especially with the. Uh, rating drops as it has experienced in the past few years and like i said there's still the movies that you and i would never go see on the the big screen that are still heading straight to video on demand and it still had that persona but that perception is changing because there are some heavyweight films there's some really outstanding products that are heading straight to video on demand places either just video on demand directly like we saw with scoob and trolls world tour or they're heading to netflix like defy bloods which is really garnering some acclaim so i really think that moving forward the academy awards needs to consider and also the golden globes for that matter need to just go ahead and reevaluate the way they're doing business because the movie theaters and the movie experience is being reevaluated at this very point as well because families are no longer just for you know what we're just going to go ahead and drop a hundred dollars to the movie theater we're thinking about staying home on a big screen that we have because big screens are becoming as you and i both see every time we go ahead and do these shows as far as for black friday and all that the prices for tv drops every single year even more and more and more and we're seeing people have all over the place have 50 inch 60 inch 70 inch televisions at home there is less and less of a need to go out and say, you know what, I need to go ahead and drop another $100 at the movie theater. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a very fair point. I think this is, COVID has kind of done a, I don't know, created an atmosphere where you have to give credit to the streaming services. And it's also created a market for that wasn't, a, it's changed, not create a market, it's changed the market, right? From going out to home consumption and i think that both the academy awards and the, the film industry in general are going to have to take time to consider this and whether that happens in the, t in the form of lessening the the length between the release on home video and time in theater or just having some things that release straight to home video or, or video on demand or whatever it might be i think that there is there's going to be changes that are going to have to be thought about and i think that the academy awards could possibly do a great job in leading that trend well we'll definitely look into it more as the weeks and months go by but we are thinking like so many others out there that the industry in itself is changing it was actually sped up by the onset of the coronavirus i think and that's something that has to weigh in heavily but the market and industry is changing and it looks like all these other old standbys like the academy awards needs to change along with it what are your thoughts out there on The Five Bloods hitting Netflix, Spike Lee's latest film, or Spike Lee's latest joint, as he would say, is 
doing so well on Netflix, it's garnering great acclaim. Should that and other movies that go straight to video on demand and or streaming outlets like Netflix, Amazon Prime, Apple Plus, etc., 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 should movies like this be automatically considered for an Academy Award? We'd love to hear your thoughts on the subject because we think the market and the industry is changing and we think all these other entities have to go ahead and change along with it. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also, swell popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up next, we're going to be counting down our 50 to 59 on our top 100 ish movie countdown. Plus, we're going to be previewing a little bit in advance a major video game. Is it the last major video game of this generation? We're going to talk about The Last of Us 2 on the back end of the show as well. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you so much for watching and listening. Everybody out there, we cannot thank you enough for doing so. Please, again, if you can, and you're just a great supporter of ours, if you can give us that five-star review, that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, or if you can share, like, subscribe to our shows, subscribe to our channel, because we've got about 2,000 subscribers on our Podbean channel. We cannot thank you enough for doing so. We're over 60,000 downloads. Just truly appreciate it. And guess what, Josh? I don't think you remember this, but we're on Pop Culture Cosmos 198. 200 is around the corner, my friend. It seems like not too long ago we just made it to episode 100. You know, thanks to everyone who's been listening. That's four years you've had to put up with me, man. That's four years. I feel so sorry for you. I mean, if you count the two shows and you double that time, it's it's technically eight years, so... In the 170s on the PCC Multiverse, so yes, touche on that one. But I wanted to go ahead and continue our countdown for the top 100-ish movie countdown. And I'll tell you what right now, if you get a chance, check out our popculturecosmos.com site. Not only will you see a great anime review from Josh Peterson, which you got to check out because it was really detailed and in-depth. you got to check it out. You'll also get to see written updates on the top 100-ish movie countdown. And I'm up to the 80s. It takes a little bit longer to write all this stuff out because I want to make sure it's nice and detailed. But it is going up there little by little. So we're in the 80s now on popculturecosmos.com. But we're a little bit ahead of that right here on the audio portion. If you want to go ahead and check out the other names on the list of our countdown in previous episodes, you can feel free at any point in time within the past few weeks right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. 
So my friend, we're going to start off with number 59. That's right, number 59 on our list right now of the top 100-ish movie countdown. And that is a movie I think you and I really, truly love. I did not see this in the theaters. I would love to tell you right now I saw this movie in the theaters. I wish I did, but I didn't. I caught this like most other people did on TNT, TBS, when they first started showing it in the late 90s and early 2000s, and that is The Shawshank Redemption, one of the best well-crafted made movies I have ever seen. So Shawshank Redemption, was it was, yes, it, it's an, a phenomenal film. Uh, it, it is something that I, I didn't get to see in the theaters either. I saw it, I, I bought it at Walmart when I was in high school uh, just because I needed something to watch, and I was pleasantly surprised by how great it was. This was a Stephen King written by Stephen King, right? Or was it produced by him? I, no, I know it was written. Was the it actual, him? it's based off of anthology, and I think it's a short story, if I'm not mistaken, from Stephen King. Okay, yeah, because I, I knew he was involved in it in some way. But he did yeah, not direct it. He did not direct it. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's a great film. I mean, it's got, it. it the writing is is really great. The character development's all really well-rounded. It, it, it's lacking in those horror elements you know for Stephen, from Stephen King, but it, at the same time, like, it's a different side of his writing that you don't really get to experience in his books, and it's definitely a, a film that, will always stand out in my mind is, you know, just when I think about great films, it, it's going to be something that I will always think about. That's Frank Darabont made it. He's also known for helping bring the walking dead to life onto the small screen for AMC. So just to give you a heads up, but yeah, this, this was just an incredible story. If you have not seen it yet, you're missing out on one of the great, movies of the the 1990s uh, much less any time because it is tells such a beautiful story it was overlooked and that's the big thing my friend because yeah it got some acclaim when it came out but a lot of people did not see it at theaters and i'm just so sad that it didn't get the just due in the theaters that it deserved but it has gotten more than acclaim more than popularity than we could ever imagine it's one of those prime examples of a movie that's gone bigger than life since it's actually released into theaters. It is something that like I it, it's weird because it's something that like people still watch and then I'm hearing from like younger people, people younger than me because I thought that I hit the tail end of those movies and I hear from younger people, "Hey, this movie's really good." Like even people who are in high school today, you know, as as a teacher, I still hear people ask me, "Hey, have you seen The Shawshank Redemption?" Yeah, it's a great movie. I'm surprised people are still watching it. So yeah, it, it's a movie that has stood the test of time. Number 58, we've got The General with Buster Keaton. And I know a lot of people on that, that are listening to here, a lot of people that are listening now or watching us on Facebook Live or YouTube, they haven't had a chance to catch the greatness of Buster Keaton. But as someone who in the earlier part of the 20th century was one of the movie industry's first real stars, I think Buster Keaton's greatness should never be understated because he, he brought a lot to the, the movies at that point in time and he was a superstar at that point in time that very few at that time or even since have ever approached. So The General is at 58, something that people need to go ahead and check out. And you know that's something that gets forgotten in our, in our times is that 
we see the stuff like you said with, with Shawshank Redemption we see the stuff that's here and now or recent or within the past 20-25 years but we never really look back in history too much but if everybody takes a chance to go ahead and look at some real film history take a look at Buster Keaton Charlie Chaplin stalwarts of that era that were some of the biggest stars of that time and hopefully they will get a chance with the general at number 58 number 57 Wedding Crashers, my friend. Wedding Crashers, indeed. So that's number 57. Owen Wilson, you know, it's just Vince Vaughn. They're probably at their finest here. I'm not exactly, it might have been very much in love with a lot of their work, but in Wedding Crashers, I think their camaraderie and they actually meshed very well in Wedding Crashers. And I think that's a movie that people, for a good laugh, want to check out. I remember seeing this one in theaters and I, I remember coming out thinking like, wow, that was a really funny movie. Like I have not seen something that made me laugh that hard in a long time. And I even like that was the first time I saw Bradley Cooper in anything was Wedding Crash. He played the obnoxious fiance. That was a movie that I, I bought the, the day it came out and I could watch it over and over again. But then much like um, The Hangover, just hearing people quote it over and over again kind of made me tired of it. So I was uh, I, I I still love the movie. I, my brother said he watched it a few weeks ago, and he he says that it it doesn't hold up as well as you'd think. But uh, you know, it's something that I would be willing to sit down and give it and watch again. You know, if I ever had time to just watch movies that I had that I've already seen. And that's number fifty-seven, and that's Wedding Crashers. Number fifty-six is a time to kill. A time to kill. That was a movie that came out in the 90s with Samuel Jackson just starting to really get his acclaim and starting to really get some good, sweet gigs within the movies. And he was just starting to get a lot of acclaim and a lot of notoriety. Matthew McConaughey was also in it. He was starting to get his notoriety and his name as well. Sandra Bullock, I think she was a superstar or just getting to be at that superstar level at that point in time. Kevin Spacey's also in the film. Your thoughts on A Time to Kill? It's a really uh, intense drama. I think it really hits at your emotions. So I want to hear your thoughts on A Time to Kill at number 56. It deals with a lot of issues that we're dealing with today when it concerns racial divides, uh, a lot of issues where someone is wrongly accused, things that we are seeing now in our society, unfortunately still even to this day, I think it's something that people need to go back to, but also to check out just how well Samuel Jackson and Matthew McConaughey were at that point in time as far as actors, and yet you could see them growing into that superstar persona. But you could also see Sandra Bullock, who is someone who we haven't seen as much lately on the screen, and that's a shame because she's got such great talent to give out there and I'd love to see her back in, in more performances on the big screen because I still think she's got a lot, lot left to give. Yeah, I agree. Sandra Bullock is definitely, she's she's great. I mean, in a lot of the films I've seen from her, uh, I, one specifically, I remember the the proposal, you know, and that, that was something that she has a lot of depth. You know, she's somebody who did come out of the 90s and she came out of it doing pretty well for herself, I'd say. Well, that was at number 56 and that is going to be a time to kill you got to check out a time to kill really to go ahead and check out a, a movie that still resonates even to this day number 55 is a movie that you and i like very much we've noted several times on this show and that is the original 
Marvel hit movie, the original superhero hit movie. Okay, maybe you can give the original Superman's with Christopher Reeves. I guess you could probably say that's the original superhero hit movie. But Blade, really the first and only success for Marvel at that point in time before the MCU and a return, hopefully in the near future, for Maharsha Ali. And he's going to reprise the role of Blade. But this is Wesley Snipes' Blade at number 55. Yeah, Blade was one of those films where it's a first time something like that had been done. You know, it was, and it was the 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 right time to release it, right? Because we had Underworld come, movies like Underworld out there, Resident Evil was out. It was the perfect time for like that gothic action movie, and Blade did a great job of providing that for people. And I remember like it, you know, just seeing the way that it ended, it was your typical late 90s. It was late 90s, right? If I remember correctly, yeah, your typical late 90s action film. But, like, they did a great job of, you know, really portraying a character that had kind of been not given his just due in other forms of media outside the comic books. And I really enjoyed that. And we really loved the uh, relationship between him and Whistler and just, like, how they tried to humanize a character who was in fact half vampire and it was a very well done film i love blade it was just such an awesome awesome movie to see it was one of my favorite superhero movies before the marvel cinematic universe got underway it still is a favorite of mine i thought it was really a great movie to see and wesley snipes was fantastic in his role like you said chris christopherson the character of whistler that's again number 55 blade just truly one of the best superhero movies before really the superhero genre could really take off. So I'm glad to see that Blade is well thought of on our list. Again, giving you a rundown of what we've seen so far, 59 is Shawshank Redemption. 58 is The General with Buster Keaton. 57 is Wedding Crashers. 56 is A Time to Kill with Sandra Bullock, Matthew McConaughey, and Samuel L. Jackson. And number 55 is Blade with Wesley Snipes and Chris Christopherson. Number 54 is Drive. So tell me, my friend, a little bit about Drive. Really a good movie, a good film, well thought of. Tell me a little bit more about number 54 and Drive. So Drive is a very artsy film. It is a film that it kind of reminds me a little bit of Mad Max where there's the main character does not have a lot of dialogue but there's still a lot of depth in the character you know there's there's a lot of emotion portrayed even when he's not saying anything and that was kind of what's so appealing about this film is they're able to make this this character art piece but still make it feel like an action film kind of like in the vein of Mad Max but it's it is a very well done film very beautiful something that I I didn't watch until it came you know, onto video on demand, but I mean, I do wish that I had gone to see this in the theater to experience it the way it was meant to be. But have you seen it? I have seen it. I thought it was very good as well. I think I think a lot of people uh, have given it just you. I mean, it's at number fifty-four on our list, so it definitely has a lot of people there talking about it and at least still thinking of it fondly. So, I think Drive is in a good position right there at number fifty-four, don't you? Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm glad to see that it's got the cult following that it does. And that's number 54, Drive, right there for you. Number 53. Number 53 is Girl Interrupted and one of Angelina Jolie's best performances on celluloid, on film. And this is somebody that 
outside of the Maleficent films and the Maleficent sequel, which didn't do as well, is now available on Disney+. Plus. I'd like to see more work that she could do. I know she's she's got some stuff coming up, obviously with the Eternals and all that. But your thoughts on Angelina Jolie and Girl Interrupted because it is a really good film, a great performance by her, and really something that put her on the map as far as a performance is concerned. This was probably the first film I ever saw with Angelina Jolie in it, and it was a long time ago, so I don't really remember a lot about it. I remember the it's about her in a like a mental hospital right if i remember that correctly yeah so i i don't know i mean i i it's not something that really like sticks out in my mind but it's just because i've seen it i saw it so long ago and it is one i've always wanted to go back to have but what are your thoughts on it again it really was one of her breakout hits to put her at the top of the echelon as far as help get her to where she was as one of Actually, she was considered the leading actress and leading actor at one time in the what uh, the last decade, earlier part of last decade. She was one of the premier actors out there in Hollywood, getting the big salaries, getting the big notice, getting the big roles. There was a reason why, and this was one of the the uh, performances. I think she got nominated for, for an Academy Award for this film. So yes, it's just a really great performance by her, and this would really set her off in the right direction. So yeah, I've. This film, if a lot of people get a chance to go ahead and check out some of the earlier works of Angelina Jolie and, and want to know why she was at once, like I said, in the last decade, one of the box office attractions and one of the most well-known actors or actresses in Hollywood, you got to check out Girl Interrupted at number 53. At number 52 is Men of Honor with Cuba Gooding Jr. and... Robert De Niro, uh, a movie that a lot of people are still very fond of. I know you said you haven't seen it yet, but I'll tell you what, for something that at the height of Cuba Gooding Jr.'s career, because he has not been as successful lately as he was back then, I think you can get a good idea of exactly the kind of roles he was getting at that point in time. Plus, Robert De Niro plays a good supporting performance. I think it's a very inspirational movie. Uh, it just deals with a lot of the the things that that you know you saw back in the day out of the 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 previous generations of of being in the armed forces. So if you get a chance, please check out Man of Honor. That's our number fifty two movie. Number fifty two on our countdown. Number fifty one is Moulin Rouge, my friends. So Moulin Rouge, tell me a little bit more about what you think about Moulin Rouge with Ian McGregor. A great musical it was in Moulin Rouge. Uh, it was colorful. It had a lot of a lot of pretty lights, uh, lots of good singing. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know what else I can say about this movie. I did see it once, and it's you know I thought the cast was really great. I just it was not something that I was like, oh, yes, I can't wait to watch this film again. Yeah, I, I I remember, you know, finishing getting to the end and thinking it was okay. I did enjoy the music in it, but I just to me it was. For for me, I thought it was very interesting to see the performance of Nicole Kidman and and also Ian McGregor. I did not know that they had that kind of range at that point in time. So when I saw it early in the 2000s, I did not know that they had that kind of range. So yes, Moulin Rouge is something that maybe you don't want to go back and see a second time, but seeing it as a musical where there's a lot of good musicals out there and Hamilton will be on the way soon to Disney+. Plus. That's another great musical. I mean, Moulin Rouge, I think, is, is something that a lot of people need to see. 
Especially if they see a movie like Cats and think, you know what, this is not a very good thing to see or not a very good thing to portray on screen a musical. They need to go ahead and check out Chicago from the early 2000s and also Moulin Rouge at number 51. I think that's a really good film and I think people need to go ahead and check it out. Number 50 on our list, our final one for this week, is Smokey and the Bandit, my friend. The original Smokey and the Bandit with Burt Reynolds and Sally Field and the whole crew on that. That iconic Pontiac Trans Am with Jerry Reed and the semi following him and all that. It's uh, And then, of course, Jackie Gleason as the sheriff. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's not the movie that's going to age very well, my friend, because it portrays a lot of uh, different tropes that I think won't fit now. But as a... As a movie that you want to see, if you want to check out more of what the 1970s was like as far as what was going on at that point in time, I think people need to go ahead and check out Smokey and the Bandit because it is a fun film nonetheless. It is a fun film. And, you know, if you like, yeah, it uh, probably wouldn't be something you could make today. But, I mean, if you're a fan of, like, you know, the Rat Race movie that came out with, like, Seth Green and Mr. Bean, and, like, you would definitely enjoy this film. It, it's worth it's worth watching if even just once, you know, and Burt Reynolds is, it's funny. Cause if you look at him today, like I, I watched, we watched a movie a couple nights ago, mystery Alaska that has, he's the, he ends up, he's the judge and ends up being the coach. Like he is somebody who he aged quick, you know, whereas on the other hand, you have like Russell Crowe who has been aging, you know, one day for every five years, he's been every five years he's alive. You know, it's, it's a, uh, it's it's interesting but yeah seeing burt reynolds like it is a very fun movie he does play that character very well in the pontiac trans am classic you know they even there's mention of it in joe dirt if you've ever seen that movie it, it's it's a great film and that's number 50 on our top 100 ish movie countdown Smokey and the bandit let me give you a quick rundown again shawshank redemption at 59 the general with buster keaton at number 58 wedding crashers at number 57 a Time to Kill at number 56, Blade at number 55, Drive at number 54, Girl Interrupted at number 53, Men of Honor at number 52, Moulin Rouge at number 51, and number 50 is Smokey and the Bandit. Next week we will continue our list of the top 100-ish movie countdown as we get into the 40s. If you want to check out, again, the written version of this, you want to check it out at popculturecosmos.com, or our previous episodes you can check out, which has our detailed tens, tens, tens list of the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. You want to go ahead and check that out on the Pop Culture Cosmos audio channels as well. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. Well, my friend, before we will head on out, I know there's going to be a lot of talk this week about, well, you were talking about Naughty Dog earlier, but there's got to be a lot of talk about what's going on with The Last of Us 2 because one of the final major exclusive this generation 
events is going to be taking place at the end of this week with The Last of Us 2. It has earned one of the highest acclaims on Metacritic at a 96 with almost 100 critics already voting on it. It's got a 96 so far as an average rating, one of the highest scores ever for a video game. This game is getting a lot of acclaim, my friend. A lot of acclaim. Could this be the defining video game of this generation? I have a really hard time trusting, because I, I saw IGN gave it a 10 out of 10, and I have a really hard time trusting you know, these big game critics when it comes to games like this, especially when they give them a 10, because I know that they're very stingy when it comes to giving those 10s out. So it makes me wonder, like, either, yes, the game is is phenomenal, or there's there's something else at play, you know, like the whole controversy behind Red Dead. Like, was there... So were they paid to to say this? So like, I mean, I there's have a 89. Time... They've got 89 reviews already in the in the count. Yeah, that's the average score is a 96. That's yeah. a lot of critics, man. It is. It is a lot of critics. I just so I mean, my my hope is that, you know, I my hope is that yes, it is the game that that we've all been waiting for, especially in uh you know at the end tail end of this generation of of consoles, and it's something that, you know, we haven't had any big game releases in a, a, almost this entire year. So I'm, uh, yes, I'm hoping that it is an amazing game, but also you know it, I just I hope that it, it's not something that's being built up so high and is is not the game that people are making it out to be. I I can't wait to get my hands on it, but I just like I, I have a distrust of critics, as you know. I know, but when you have almost a hundred of them, and the average score is a 96, I'm going to throw right that back at you, my friend. You know, if one is on the pay, Naughty Dog is not going to pay almost 100 critics to score the game. No, I know. I mean, I, I yeah, I guess I'm referencing more like IGN. You know, I like I, I have a hard time trusting them. But, yeah, I mean, I, I hope this game is good. I, God of War was the same thing, and that game was phenomenal. So I'm I'm hoping that this game is in fact really good but while we're on the subject of like these survival horror games what do you think makes a good survival horror game because i'm 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 noticing i notice a trend with these games is that they are all very very repetitive and you do the same things over and over again and that's why i think the last of us the first one at least was such a great game because the story was so well written you know even like i'm going back on uh, xbox 360 and playing alan wake and it's just the same things over and over again, but it's the story that compels you to move forward. So what do you think is it, what elements do you think are needed for a great survival horror game? I think it's pretty easy, my friend. Just surprise. Just surprise with something new around not every corner, but around every major decision that you make in a video game. I mean, if you make a, a scare or a jump scare or a surprise at every corner it's going to lose its effect over the course of the game i mean that's the same thing with horror movies it's just when do you space these major moments that you need to surprise the audience and fill that in with a quality buffer of things to do that's going to keep them interested that's not samey i mean that, those kind of tropes we see in almost every video game i mean the fetch quest it's a joke because of a reason because the fetch quest was done so much in you know so many games before it's like like in a previous generation of games i mean that's basically a lot of that was because out of necessity because you didn't have the type of power or expansion in your your game that you would allow so 
you could you wanted to do all these different things so we hear this all the time from developers who want to do all these different things but they couldn't because they had to go ahead and such limitations within the scope of what they were programming it for so they go ahead and put the same thing in and just rinse repeat i mean you should see less of that with each succeeding generation and that's my hope for the ps5 xbox series x generation is that you're going to have all this power and it looks good but these graphics are not mind-blowing anymore to us so build it on the game build things upon the game you know don't i don't want to hear any more about in fact i was watch i watch a lot of mass effect stuff from the back of the day as far as because i'm doing a lot of things when it comes to mass effect and i hear casey hudson who is the program director of mass effect at that point in time he said you know what we wanted to put so much in the game but we couldn't because of the limitations well that seems to go ahead with going back full circle to horror movies you need to go ahead and make sure you don't put the same thing in time in time out time in time out and rinse repeat especially with these horror games or horror movies excuse me horror games or horror movies you need to go ahead and be able to surprise the gamer at major points of time of the game with something new and something fresh that will shock and awe and not just be something that oh it's another bad guy I have to kill. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think those edge of your seat moments are important, but I'm also like, not just in survival horror games, but I'm hoping with the PS5, we, we shift back to a focus on narrative. You know, we've had this generation, you hear these directors like Har- Corey Barlow and, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of the people over at Microsoft are, are saying, hey, story is important. We're trying to focus more on story, but this generation of consoles seems to be defined by multiplayer 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 even call of duty got to the point where they removed the campaign from one of their games so i'm hoping that we're going to start and this is something naughty dog has always done really well is the focus on the narrative even in the uncharted games i i disagree with you that this this generation will just be known for multiplayer because you have uncharted 4 you have god of war you have the last of us 2 now so many great games that are out there that have this wonderful narrative spider-man had a had a pretty good narrative as well. Right, right. But you ask kids these days, what are you playing? Fortnite, Apex Legends, Call of Duty. Like the games with the big narratives are it seems like they're only going out to a certain sector of gamers. It's not like a narrative game that has reached across generations. And that's what I'm hoping will happen with the next generation of consoles. Well let's hope that happens, but right now it is The Last of Us Two it's coming to the PlayStation 4 this Friday. It's a big game. Possibly the final major benchmark release. We could see Miles Morales, Spider-Man be one of those major releases as well. But for right now, I think The Last of Us 2 is being considered one of the last major benchmarks of this generation. I'm hoping that's the case, uh, that it's going to be something that a lot of people are going to love playing it's getting garner and acclaim from all over and my hope is that it will at least have us thinking of this generation of video games very fondly what are your thoughts out there on the last of us 2 are you excited for it and please if you get a chance and you're playing it share us your thoughts on the game as well popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well popculturecosmos humanity media and game source on facebook twitter and instagram as well well, my friend, it's been a great conversation as always. I cannot thank you enough for being a part of it on today's show. Looking forward to some great stuff this week, including if you check out our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page on Monday, 
we're going to be doing another rendition of Dungeons Dragons and the Lost Mind of Fandover. But my friend, I got to get you involved in some Dungeons Dragons playing. I know I keep getting requests for Star Wars version of Dungeons Dragons. If anything's going to lure you in, it's got to be that. <laughs> yeah, I could be interested in that. I, you know, speaking to Star Wars, I was reading that BioWare is maybe working on other Knights of the Old Republic games. So, yeah, I'm I'm definitely into the lore right now, especially after the last Star Wars game that came out on Xbox. And Star Wars Squadrons is coming out uh, as far as a trailer debut on Monday, so we'll talk about that on Thursday's show. But as always, we're going to get you update on the latest and greatest news and trends in pop culture when we see you on Friday's show, The PCC Multiverse. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos we thank you for listening and here's hoping you have yourself a great welcome to the double feature picture show what do you want to see well i want to see something really good and something really bad like maybe total recall and junior sure or the Rocketeer and Country Bears. Absolutely. Maybe even Dogma and Yoga Hoses. I mean, of course. Who programs such cinematic excellence and hot garbage together? Why, only the double-edged double bill, my good man. Available on the ESO Network and wherever you get podcasts. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.